I was watching some videos from the reInvent show floor. Just kind of walk someone walking around. It was it was that Corey Quinn guy, so, you know, walking around in his freaky little face mask, doing things. And I was thinking like, oh, you know, I don't know if I'm ready to go back to a uh, to a physical conference. I saw some pictures of of like the keynote room. Even people walking in, you know, the, you know, there's that thing, you know, there'll be the gigantic keynote room and there's like the big curtains and the concrete floor that's dark. And you've got to like walk through that small maze with the gigantic fans blowing the AC. Oh, yeah. It was just evoking all of those memories. And uh, I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure it'll be fine. I never really like going to big keynotes anyways. You know, as as people may remember, I, I, uh, I don't know if I invented it, but I feel like I pioneered and perfected the sitting in your hotel room watching the streaming keynote uh <laughs> master of the hallway track yeah or, yeah it was great master of master the of the, room the bedroom the bedroom track well that doesn't sound right <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. no um, no now we're gonna have to slap the adult label on the episode. now now in, this raises an interesting sub question in a hotel room I mean, it's all a bedroom unless you're getting really fancy, right? So mm-hmm. you don't, you, you got to get the suite action. Yeah, I guess that's why you call it a hotel room and not a bedroom, right? Like, is <laughs> that? Did you say your room? Because it still has, as we would say, a bathroom, uh, as Americans would. But yep. I mean, I, have to I don't think know. About you can that. still, right? I mean, there's still the kind of the lower end. Um, what suites like Hilton, Hilton Garden oh, yeah. Inn, and uh-huh. um, what's the other one? I can't remember the Marriott brand. I just forgot. So it shows yeah. you how long I've traveled. So sometimes you get the nice little, yeah. uh, the little true. fake, fake room. Um, I don't know, fake kitchen, fake kitchen, fake family room kind of thing. You get, you get like the the bar that uh, separates the kitchenette, the kitchen. Yeah. Area. They're usually not even kitchenettes. They're usually just full on kitchens. But it's definitely not Vegas though. Surprising. Typically Vegas, you're right. Vegas, all the Vegas hotels are pretty much just big rooms. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, unless, so unless you're the executive, and then you have the the entertaining room, right? Oh, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna have the big uh, dining table, so you can have a sit down with your investors or, you know, yeah. 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 You come, come up to my bedroom for a board meeting. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Usually you get a suite for that. Come up to my suite. My suite. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've been upgraded to those rooms every now and then. And, but it's always when there's just like, I'm saying one night somewhere it's tried, you get this big gigantic room and it's just like, there's, no and you're room. by yourself, right? It's one night uh, yeah. by yourself. It's like, <laughs> okay, great. What like am a, I going to do with I'm gonna I guess room. run some laps? <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to sit here at the board table and mm-hmm. then in five minutes, I'm going to go over here to the bed. With your three different TVs in like different areas. You're like, okay, yeah. this is nice. Yeah. I have nothing to do with this. Yeah. Well, so so uh, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to when it comes back to going to conferences, I'm going to need some sort of uh, like easing back into it. I don't know if I can just go to like a gigantic conference all at once. I think I might get overwhelmed and get sensory overload. So I'm going to have to put together a strategy for like maybe well, maybe, maybe I just like go to the to where the booths are. And I, and I like I, I pretend that I'm going to visit one booth and I don't actually go visit it and then I leave. Right, just to kind of get a sense for it. And <laughs> well, then, like, maybe you could just start with like some executive briefings, you know, some smaller, you know, ten-person conferences. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's good. That's good. We'll go yeah. back to doing those uh, executive dinners instead yeah. of doing them <laughs> them online. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, or, start or just small. go to conferences where you know, like you said, just you go to one booth and you're done because you know you didn't really want to be there anyway. You know, maybe. Mm. Uh, well, maybe it's like sports. Like you almost have to play yourself back into the season, s- schedule some scrimmages. So it's like do some local events, maybe uh-huh. start with uh-huh. a local meetup, 
then so, maybe some uh, exhibition events. Yeah. yeah I and mean, then maybe like a one hour travel time to like a small regional conference for like a couple of days and then working your way all the way back to the full blown keynote. Right. So you, okay. you put yourself on some kind of plan to, to like, re- maybe, maybe you could just, you know, find, find something in Amsterdam completely unrelated, like, you know, go drop into some, you know, Tony Robbins or something. <laughs> I think, I, okay. I think we, the, okay. We put together the plan. I mean, this is where the, um, the cozy size of the Netherlands can come into play. You're right. Yeah. I can, I can technically, I don't live within Amsterdam right now. The The little town I live in is surrounded by Amsterdam and, and a town named demon, which isn't meant to be demonic. Ooh. Uh, but you know, so I can find something in Amsterdam, small conference, a meetup, just go there. Just, I can, I can pass by it, lock up my bike, look through the windows and then come back home. Right. <laughs> and then you're like, peace out. <laughs> So that, didn't want to learn about JavaScript anyway. See, there, there there's go. that. And then I can find a conference in like Utrecht or like, you know, maybe even Rotterdam. I can just go to that, like very yeah. small. And then eventually I can work up to like Antwerp or Brussels. <laughs> and, you could just start think, RSVP to all the different meetups. And then, you, you know, you get there, you look around, grab a slice of pizza and leave. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Okay, that's a good plan. I think that'll help me. Uh, that'll help me. I'm having this view emerge. of like you're kind of like having your own like a uh, Fight Club moment where the narrator of Fight Club like goes to different self help groups because it mm. like calms them down, right? So, and you know, I feel like you're kind of working. You're you're kind of getting that vibe going there, Kotech. Yeah, yeah, you need a meatloaf for your meetups. This episode is brought to you by CBT Nuggets. Are you looking to build your IT skills? Do you want to learn more about IT security, cloud computing, or networking? Then it's time to visit CBT Nuggets. They offer over 350 courses and over 2,000 virtual labs. They have courses available on everything, including AWS, Linux, VMware, and even Salesforce. Best of all, it's available online so you can learn what you want, when you want. CBT Nuggets adds over 40 hours of new training each week, so there's always something new to learn. They also offer accountability coaching, allowing you to speak with a real person who can help you create a personalized learning plan, set goals, and check in to make sure you stay on track. To get started, visit cbtnuggets.com sdt. That's cbtnuggets.com slash sdt. There you can sign up for the seven-day free trial, which gets you full access to all their courses. You know, I look through there, and I'm always wanting to learn Python more. And there's a lot of courses there where you can kind of ramp up into it and uh, even do some advanced networking things with Python. Other topics like that, I may go check that out when I'm done recording this. Anyhow, you can start learning today by going to cbtnuggets.com sdt. And of course, we thank them for sponsoring our show. Well, speaking of giant shows, now I haven't done a very good job of following all the uh, announcements from uh, from AWS reInvent. It looks like there was some, you know, one, I think there was a storage expansion that you get for free. <laughs> you know, big, big uh, networking traffic stuff. Uh, how many it's months not ago that was big. this? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I mean, I mean the hoopla around it. So there was, there was some, uh, there was some, you know, less. Uh, uh, it was the egress. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, it's still there, small. There's yeah. some free freer egress, and then you got some chips. You got, uh, I think, I think you're flash trading in the clouds from from uh, what I what I've read. Yeah, no, we had a nice uh, as uh, it's become an annual tradition. We had a nice group of people kind of jointly watching it in the Slack. So yeah, uh, I'll nice just give you that. 
um always fun it's a fun way to watch the keynote actually i think you know it's sort of like it, i don't know i find it, it keeps me more engaged which is i know for sure like opposite but uh i will say you know so a couple i think we made some predictions last week so we can kind of go over them one one we didn't re- make any prediction but there was no house band house band there was no a, house band there was a uh, sing, uh guitarist vocalist and one drummer who opened the show but there was no as you recall jesse would like do a section and then throw it to the house band and then he would then quote the lyric back and then use that as a segue. So that, that whole format was gone. So there was no house, man. That was, this is the important stuff. It was all based around um, pathfinding. That was the metaphor of it. So they, they kind of used historical figures from the past, uh, overcoming some type of challenge uh, like Florence Nightingale and others to help like create a new path. And then they used that to essentially, you know, introduce many new topics. That was the whole, so it's a little, a little bit more subdued, right? I mean, the Jassy, and also uh, Slepsky, or I always wonder if I'm saying his name right, Adam Slepsky, the CEO of AWS. Like, you know, again, like like I said many times on the show, you know, Jassy's the first ballot Hall of Famer. So it's unrealistic that the person that was going to follow him was going to be as good. So, I mean, it's just a high bar. So I think, I think he did a fine job, but it felt a lot more like, your typical corporate keynote, which is not, I don't mean it as a slight. It's just sort of like, yeah, we've been there before. Not quite as dynamic. Yeah. Not, I mean, very knowledgeable, but not Jassy level. Like, you know, yeah. Jassy could go, he could almost go to the source code on some of these services. Whereas let's be fairly like getting the slides have been written for him. He's really prepared well, Hits but he hasn't marks. like, yeah. He hasn't lived it, right? He has I, not absolutely yeah, lived it. I call so, him, man. He, he's, he's the Tim Cook to Steve Jobs, right? He's right now, the keep... thing you called, um, I think I think you kind of maybe characterized it best, man. You kind of said that you thought it would be, like, it wouldn't be much, uh, kind of the same thing, not a lot of changes. And other than some minor format stuff, it was. It was sort of like almost exactly the same. Now, but, but he tossed it. He he sent it off to his his. No, he his did it more. No, he, he did not do that. There were nobody. Okay. That was one thing we missed. No one other than himself from AWS spoke. There were four customers that spoke, but he he did all the presentations. So there was no. Let me uh, bring in the technical Impressive. person, right? So those all all those people have their own keynotes. So that was you know I was a little surprised by that. So he kind of went through the whole thing now. I think the general vibe from the Slack and from like just kind of reading other people's opinions about it is like there weren't that many announcements in comparison to before, right? Like, you know, normally it's like every few minutes an entire company is being disrupted because AWS has just like announced their entire product portfolio. There just wasn't a lot of that this time. There's a lot of like sustaining enhancements to existing services and a few new things. But I even kind of took a poll like, I don't. I didn't feel like in the past. So many times, you think like some company will be really upset because yeah. AWS just announced like their their whole feature set. I didn't. You know, for the most part, I didn't feel like it. Uh, that happened. There was a little talk about Elasticsearch, right? But that's already been happened. So that, that was just kind of like yeah, that, that ship sailed. I mean, yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about it, but you know, the only <laughs> the only people, it's a lot of continuing disruption, right? You've got uh, mm. Elasticsearch, obviously, um, more you know more expansions into database stuff, which, you know, they're coming after Oracle continuing, you know, more Graviton three coming after Intel, giving the, the, um, the AMI, the EC2 machine instances are now getting suffixes to indicate the CPU type, you know, so you got an I for Intel and a for AMD and, uh, N for, uh, if it's got NVIDIA and, uh, G for Graviton for arm. So, you know, they, they, 
continued to disrupt Intel, but it's also just like an expansion of what they do. Nobody, I now that you pointed out, I didn't see anybody who's like, oh, there went our startup, right? No, no. And I think, you know, the, the other thing that was kind of just, you know, interesting about the whole thing was, you know, they did do the one thing that he did that was almost the trademark of the AWS is something like they did a little history of like where they came from. I think it's like 15 years and did a little highlight reel. But then, you know, as Jassy did every year, they open up with something like still today only, I think he quoted something like Gardner says only 5% of the workloads have transitioned to the cloud. Right. And it's like, I almost need to go back and like, look, but it feels like every year they say the same number. It's just like a few percentages, a few percentages. And I think at some point, you know, I don't know. For me, it's just kind of like, well, like if every year we go to the show and it's still just 5% or less or very small, like, like, are we, is, I don't know. Is, are we missing something or like, are these, because are, do we believe that there's going to be this avalanche? Like we're going to see double digit migrations, which would be great for me, honestly. So I'm okay with that. But I'm just saying like, <laughs> are we going to see, like, do we ever expect Jesse to be like, well, well, now we're at thirty percent to the cloud, like or whatever, and not Jassy, right. Mr. Lepsky. Like it's just, it's just the same refrain. It's like still early days, only five percent of move to the cloud, and it's like I don't know. At some point, I'm like almost. If they keep saying that, to me, it's almost like well, it's it's not going to move to the cloud in a big way. So I don't know, Coach. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I just I feel like maybe it's like we've told that story. Maybe I've just heard that story too many times, or. You know, at some point, that story kind of gets worn out. It's almost an indication of failure r- r- rather than opportunity. Well, that 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 is a good point. Five percent seems seems pretty low. Maybe you know, it's a, I don't know which one's a new numerator and a, a denomicon, <laughs> but like uh, maybe maybe the number of workloads just keeps growing and growing, and uh, we we can't keep pace. But yeah, I mean, five uh, percent, huh? That's that's uh, that is strange. Uh, I mean, wasn't wasn't there, um, you know, w- what I saw in the limited chatter that I allow to see myself to be exposed to, and I don't mean the Salesforce uh, thing, is like it seems like there was a lot of modernization talk. Was that was that a popular topic, moving things over, or or not? What? Uh, yeah, no, it definitely was. I mean, they announced some new migration, mainframe migration capabilities, so that's something like I care about a little bit, and so that was you know, and that's a consistent theme is you know, AWS is always. Um, offering up new tools and new ways to do migrations and modernization, which makes sense. And and that's sort of like the keynote ended, just kind of st- skip to that. Like there was no, um, you know, normally there's like, I like to say the, the, uh, the Jassy preamble lecture, like, you know, like five ways to move to the cloud and like what you need to do. That was not, that was completely absent. But at the end mm. there was a like call to action for agility, right? That was what the, the pitch was, was, you know, if you move to the cloud, you're going to become a pathfinder and you, as a becoming a pathfinder, I'm paraphrasing of course, right? You're going to make your organization more agile. You'll be able to do more and, you know, you know, if you will service your customers better. And that was sort of the only part of that. Like this, and that was sort of the, it was more like a call to action than it was, you know, like Jassy sort of like, here's what you should be doing. I think Shlevsky was more, here's what you could do. And this is what the benefit that you would do there. Um, but you know, it, it does. I mean, I don't know. I thought about that too. It's like, well, maybe workloads keep changing, but at some point, you know, I guess it's just kind of back to the, the conversation we have all the time. It's like, I, I don't know, you know, I just don't know. Like if we're 15 years into this and we're at 5% workloads, like in 15 years, like do, what do we, mm-hmm. what do we think we'll be at? And, you know, that the, the quote or the phrase Jassy used a lot last year that I didn't hear 
in this keynote was in the fullness of time, right? Was that was sort of like in the fullness <laughs> of time. And, and I think we joked about it last year. It was like, well, when you say that, you can kind of just anything can go in there in the fullness of time insert any events and it'll eventually happen, I guess. Um, so I didn't hear that, but I just kind of like, that was one of the things I left with like, well, like what is the next horizon? Is it 15 more years? We think everything's going to be in the cloud. And if so, we got to start saying like, and not everything will ever be there, but like say, no. will it be 80%? Will we see a massive acceleration? Um, and I don't know. I mean, I just, I kind of come back to like, we're, we haven't seen it yet. There's no step function in um, accelerating to the cloud which may be like, it's either too early, it just hasn't happened, or it's not going to accelerate like the way that we think it will well, at some point. I mean, it's a lot of workloads have already been moved. And, you know, when, when you complain about, you know, small amounts of growth on what are they doing? You know, 60 billion a year, some crazy amount like that. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's hard to make those percentages increase, you know, and, 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 you know, even, even 5% growth is what, 3 billion. Um, you know, a, a year. Uh, and, and so that means you can continue to have phenomenal growth as a volume uh, without having large percentages. And, you know, maybe there's not going to be this massive uptick in percentages growing, but it's not going the other way, obviously. Right. So yeah, no, it's a great you know, in, in the fullness of time, it's going yeah. to be this, you know, asymptotic thing that, you know, eventually, you know, the long tail is going to be on-premises and data centers of, you know, non-cloud stuff, but, you know, the, the most of the volume under the curve is going to be public cloud. We, we got it. We got to track down this Gartner's 5% thing that, that, uh, I think that would be a great, great, uh, thing to see like where, where this, uh, what, what that chart looks like. Cause that, uh, that would be, I mean, I think, I think just to, uh, model it out to your, to your point, Brandon, if, if we're always, uh, about to see the avalanche, of everything moving to the uh, to the public cloud, I don't think people even say public cloud anymore. But whatever, then uh, <laughs> there there is, there is something a little weird going on there, and uh, uh, we, weird in what way? I don't really know. Maybe in the the analysis of it, because it does seem like a uh, five percent is is a strange low number. But, but you know, not. maybe there's a chart. I mean, that, right, that's, fine. that's compound interest, right? <laughs> well, no, I think it's just, I think you can look at it two ways. I think you're right. I think 5% growth, whatever, and this kind of thing, it's, it's always going to be a great market. It's a great business to be in. Don't get me wrong. I mean, AWS is going to grow, I don't know, for a long time. I just think the implication that like everything will be in the public cloud very soon. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I feel like that's sort of like the tone that AWS, these keynotes are giving off. It's like, I'm starting to like pull back from that. I'm like, I expect next year to say, help that the number will be likely to be very close, be the same 5%, 6%, right? I don't yeah. expect. And so that's fine. I think that's okay. I think it's just, and I think, you know, one of the announcements that they really just announced that it was um, out of beta was AWS Outpost. So they got the small form factors now. And I think this is more maybe, you know, this will be kind of another backdoor way to like do the growth is, you know, as you remember, AWS Outpost is essentially just a way to put a server for AWS, you know, functionality in your data centers. Well, now they've got them um, in the small for form factors. And that seems to be kind of the thing that, you know, you, that would be kind of an interesting do. If they start to sell more and more of those, then it'll just, it kind of just goes to your data center and you're just using AWS. So you can call that a migration or whatever you want, but it's still like, you know, it's still just you running a server. And I think my guess is that business will continue to grow over time, which, you know, again, it's just more like a hybrid type cloud model, which I think is fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it's just maybe not the vision that some of the people think about. 
hybrid. I, I, you know, I was thinking about this recently, and and I think now, now there's a difference between a hybrid cloud and a multi-cloud, right? Is or is that the same thing? How how is that? How's that? Well, uh, I would just find it like in this case, out? the hybrid cloud would be like if I take an outpost, I put it in my data center, right? Sort of like mm-hmm. I'm running it both on premise as well as I'm mm-hmm. using AWS. And then multi-cloud would be the next step where I hook I up see. GCP and you know AWS, and maybe I have them all running. You know, and I have some on-premise devices all working with that. So I, that would be the multi-cloud oh, kind of thing. Let me, let, me see, let me see if I can if I can phrase this nuanced enough. A hybrid cloud might be just one cloud that's in two different places or composed right. of different things, whereas multi-cloud is multiple clouds working with each other. Right. Like like di- distinctly different ones. But if you had if you had multiple clouds from the same brand. That may not be multi-cloud. That might be hybrid. Right. Probably just, just be hybrid cloud. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but again, it's one of these things we can go down a rat hole and argue about the like people argue about this at length for days. So it's it's less important probably the exact terminology. It's sort of like everybody that knows is talking about is talking about the same thing. Yeah, you know, this reminds me when I was when I was uh, uh, I, I you know every now and then I take a little nap before uh, before recording here, and I this thought that popped into my head was like. I wonder, like, when Gartner first came out with its platform as a service analysis, they broke it in, I think it still maybe is, but they broke it into, like, seven or eight categories. And, you know, I feel like, they. why would you do that? But then I thought, well, probably because there were many distinct things that they didn't want to compare, you know, like apples to bananas. So they felt the need to make these categories. But, boy, it was it was really distracting. And in the same way that, you know, you've got all your, uh, I think I think we're, we're okay with the multi-cloud, hybrid cloud thing. That's kind of uh, sussed out there. Although I never hear the phrase hybrid cloud anymore. That's that's uh, that's always fun. Hanging with the wrong crowds. That's right. That's right. The wrong, well, wrong clouds. Um, the other thing, I guess, you know, the other number I thought was interesting, there's over 200 different AWS services now, and there are over 475 instant types, instance types. At eight wow. of, uh, so it's like, wow, it's just like, I mean... I don't, I don't keep a running count, but I was just like, uh, the instance counts kind of shocked me a little bit. I was like, wow, like this is, and so, you know, this is more, I saw um, Corey Quinn make this, this point. It's like, you know, I guess the, the great strength of AWS will be, there will be, I don't know, 300 services soon enough, I'm sure. Right. And yep. they're all being built out and there'll probably be another 400 instance types at some point, but that is both the strength and the weakness. Right. And it's like, the opportunity remains you know, for the, our ongoing discussion of like whoever in, uh, invents the Heroku replacement or the, you know, just like push but the that, code and it all works, right? Like someone making sense of like the 200 plus services and uh, several hundred instance types and like providing less choice, but like, hey, just do it like this. Do it the easy way. I think that sits out there as the white whale of this, of uh, <laughs> well, of all of IT. It's like, Someone yeah. figure this out because it is like, I mean, it's just like it's, even the instance types is like, man, just to like read, just to, I guess you don't have to read them all, but just to kind of navigate them all takes a lot of time. So there's right. a lot You're in like, there. Why why do I care about Intel versus AMD? Right, you know, and you kind of when, when kinda, I'm running, I'm running you know mediums. And you, you yeah. man, I mean, to your credit, you kind of inadvertently sort of explain it to everyone. That's why the the names, like, that's why they end up with a weird, you know, like the whole thing. It's like right. you're going through. And, it's like 
the processor, the the manufacturer, the architecture. And that's why like when you start and you look at it, if you don't know what it is, I guess it's like looking at car models. If no one's explained it to you, you're like, I don't like, what is this gibberish, right? And then well, it's, worse, it's you, way worse than car models. Yeah, you have to really like decode. <laughs> you have to like, you know, you really do almost have to have the decoder ring to figure out like, what, what am I looking for? And then of course you get into like, well, what is this going to cost me? And then that's, you know, a whole nother conversation. Well, and, and, and based off of the way the chip companies work, you could just plot out like at this point in time, AWS EC2 will have 500 different machine types, you know, yeah. and, and 2023, there will, they will hit 550 in 2024, it, you know, just because it's like NVIDIA, AMD, yeah, Intel, just, just they're out, all, right? they all have fairly regular cycles and, you know, you just know it's coming and shocker, Graviton 4, you know, 18 <laughs> yeah. months out, you know, here it comes. And, and so, you know, it's, yeah, but so kind of coming is, back to it, like using AWS requires you to consume the 200 services or at least know what you want. And then the as well as yeah. know what the, uh, and then of course know what the instance types you want. And then we can get in the database stuff, right? Because there was a lot of talk oh, about oh my gosh, a whole yeah. section on that about, you know, kind of the data lakes, the kind of snowflake but, world. But, and it's like, you have to know a lot. I mean, just to navigate, just to like buy what you want requires a lot of study. But do you think that is a detractor? Do you think people are like, AWS is too complicated. I'm going to go with Azure because they only have 90 services. No, I don't think, I think, <laughs> I think all three, I, you know, it's almost, I wouldn't, I don't know if this analogy holds up, but I, I feel like this is like a web one Oh kind of thing. It's like, Hey, uh, everyone's like, we should put our magazine online and they just put the giant PDF online. Right. And I feel right. like you could kind of make the argument of like, we have taken the data center Everything that's in the data center is Everything now going in to GCP, Azure, and AWS. And and they're all right. Like customers have asked for all of this stuff, right? That's There's what they want. There's a customer who wants and, private 5G. And that's what it is. But you look yeah. at it and you're like, just like you look at that PDF, you're like, and then somebody showed you like hypertext and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Like I can just read the article and I can click to the article. Like there's a lot of advantages. Like when you get away from, I don't know if that analogy holds up, but I think that's the like like that just remains out there someone figuring this out is like wait a minute it's just like you don't need all of this yeah. stuff here's a better simpler easier way to do it i'll make a lot of these choices for you but don't worry i'm not going to lock you in it's not going to cost you money right these are all the things that you know may or may not come well, to fruition and, and, and that's why out there every reinvent amazon's like here's an easier way to do no code right, right. you know <laughs> they're like oh but but what about those seven other ones you already had they're like don't worry. Here's another way. You know, yeah. do you like Heroku? Did you like Heroku in 2017? How about in 2015? How about in 2012? You know, we got each of those. You know, did you like it when we call it Netlify? Here, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll put it over here. And they're just going to duplicate all those efforts. And, you know, you can never say, well, Amazon didn't have what I wanted. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and I just, and I think, you know, and it's kind of like maybe we'll use the S curve, right? It's the analogy. It's like you're we're just at that point where it's just a, it's just a lot of incremental adding services. There isn't like a lot of these aren't new ways to do it. These are just kind of like a different or maybe better way to do it the same way, right? And I, like somebody, you know, you know, I used to joke like remember what data center DCOS. I love that. I was like, oh yeah, there's like an operating system and all just works. Like I like that metaphor, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Though that company it didn't really work out for them, but I'm just like, yeah, that still sits out there. Someone still can crack the code, right? And to some extent, you know, I know this is your 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 block a little bit, Kote. You know, uh, Tanzu, OpenShift, right? I mean, those are opinionated ways to do some stuff, right? So that, there is, you know, there somewhat. Yeah. Um, there are some options, like you know, those are those continue to be very valid options, but. Um, when you just take in the totality of AWS, you're like, well, there's there could be a lot of simplification. I, I Someone may a, figure it out. 
I think there's a missed opportunity for a new certification. If you can, if you can get at sixty percent of identifying what AWS sources are, different AWS services are, you get a certification. Yeah. Well, I will give them. So they did a couple. You know, the other kind of prediction or at least discussion we had is like, well, do they move up and actually try to um, offer some business applications? And the one that they did do uh, was uh, Goldman Sachs and AWS have like partnered on essentially some type of like stock market analysis data cloud where essentially you can. If you have ideas or you want to like figure out what kind of stock trades to do and you want to do some research, um, you can basically take the Golden Sachs, Goldman Sachs financial data on AWS and you like it's sort of just hand wavy. I don't you know, I can't say I saw it. I don't know exactly what they're doing, but you basically you could build up, you know, um, all the information you need to figure out like how to do a trade and do some type of trade. So that was, you know, a very niche kind of investment banking uh, use case. So, but I was like, okay, that's, that's interesting. And of course, uh, our good friend, uh, Matt Levine over at Bloomberg, he actually covered it in his newsletter. So I was like, first, whoa, if he's going to start writing about AWS, we're going to start writing about uh, CDOs or some other obscure financial information. <laughs> but he did a good job. He even kind of made uh, something I think was relevant to us. It's like he said, well, you know, if you're doing this high frequency trading, what they could do is actually instead of uh, charging to everyone actually has a rack in like this, in the, in the same data center as the NASDAQ, for example, they could uh, essentially just let you buy a virtual machine like a virtual machine that's on the same server, right? And then I was like, oh, no, Matt, containers. Like that, that's, that's, that's what we can add to it. It's like maybe Nitro I just write my algorithms containers. in a container and then I just, I just, if you will, I'm just renting, renting space on the same server where my, my great logic could run. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but again, it was very niche. It wasn't like they're going to take over the industry by any ways. It was more like if you're interested, if you're a, an investment banker, and you, you're doing this kind of work, it's probably interesting to you. For everyone else, it's just like, yeah, whatever. Look out, yeah. that, that, that His coverage of this had a very typical uh, for him sort of arc that basically ended like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be, that's, you've reached the apex of his praise when he ends a piece on like, smoke him if you got him. He, he's, <laughs> he's all into it. Well, you know, I, I want to I wanna, I wanna pull, uh, pull, run down i run out of metaphors but like the there, there's i think i think y- y'all y'all are developing at least in my mind an interesting theory here an interesting thought experiment which is to say it's several of my favorite topics let's just get them out of the, the i'm gonna get them out of the bag over here all right now i've got them uh and one the lean startup let's put that on the table right now lean startup thinking is all about like uh, let's explore what it is people want will want to buy that it is we can produce. That was a weird way of summarizing it, but like come up come up with a uh, a thing that people want to buy and experimentally do that, and then uh, it's very product centric. And then let's talk. And then we got what we care what what we talk about here ostensibly. The uh, let's call it the enterprise infrastructure market. Some people might call it cloud nowadays, and in that sense, it basically means public cloud minus SaaS, more or less. And uh, it seems like if you were to take lean startup thinking and apply it to this market, you would end up with Heroku, right? Or you would end up with opinions or whatever, you know, uh, these, you would end up with, with a uh, value proposition for software that was basically like, uh, uh, complexity is very difficult and you want to have a smaller amount of things that are well-defined and uh, that, that isn't just a whole bunch of gibberish, right? You wouldn't put it that way, but I, you know, after having been around in this market since maybe 1995 or so, I'm I'm starting to get the sense 
that the enterprise infrastructure market does not want simplicity. Now, I don't know if that's a conscious choice that it makes or it's kind of like a I'd ha- we'd have to go talk with the systems people to know what what the phrase for this is. I don't know if that is a outcome of the system in place or if it's beneficial or bad, but like yeah, I mean y'all will have to help me, but I feel like every single time collectively and it's mostly vendors and sometimes open source projects now that do it. But every single time in the in- enterprise infrastructure like market that we try to simplify things, it's almost like we breathe into simplification and then like like some sort of like monster in a movie, we just get bigger and bigger by absorbing <laughs> all of that. And it gets more and more complex, right? Well, yeah. And and, and we, we often like... And and I don't know who we is here, but we often like kind of make fun of and badmouth complexity. I mean, you know, the 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 platypus guy. That's his whole, not his whole. That's a, a significant. Uh, what's the word? Not gig, gag, shtick, shtick. There you go. That he has about AWS. But like, I don't know. I mean, I just want to run with the theory that maybe like no, it needs to be a lot of stuff. That's what this market wants, and. And we can't let this whole lean startup thinking and MVPs like play a mind trick on us because that that thinking is was first is derived from someone who is trying to make a metaverse in like two thousand nine or something, if if I remember. But like or even earlier. But it's that type of thinking is all based on like um there's humans of course involved in this infrastructure market. But that that thinking is largely derived from consumer retailish, uh not not retail buying, but like uh kind of in, in the sense of retail banking, right? Whatever whatever that means there. But you know, end users, individuals, consumers doing things what people call tech companies now get like all your social companies. Even social companies are incredibly complex. I mean, we we get all we get all like uh, uppity about Twitter not having innovated forever, but I don't know. That's simple. So it yeah. seems like actually when it comes to infrastructure stuff, as much complexity and options and choices that you can give people as possible, of course, not to absurdity, is probably the better product management strategy to have. It seems like the one that well, still I, lives I, in it, the end. It, it, it's, a, it's a repeating cycle, right? You, you come up with something new and simple that takes away all the painful complexity of what came before. And then as you continue to add bells and whistles to capture the edge cases, your you know your new simple thing slowly looks like it sure has a lot of options to it and it's yeah, complicated. Right. And you know what? It's harder to support because now there are all those options that you supported. And the next thing that comes down the pipeline, oh, it's simpler. You know, yeah. So it's just this this, you know, it's it's the cycle of of enterprise software. And, you know, we see it with monitoring tools, especially, but we see it with, with the conversion of, you know, data centers, physical machines to VMs, to containers, to serverless. You know, we, we keep coming up with a, the, these, you know, next plateaus of simplification. But once, once you get to that plateaus, there were all these cases that you didn't cover. So, you know, now, you know, now we're doing containers on, on AS 400 and, and yeah. you know, Windows, you know, build containers and oh my, you know, oh, that sounds horrible. But you know what? Those things were horrible when they were on virtual machines. I, I guess, you know, maybe maybe it's like, it's like uh, I don't know the word. For, I'm going to use complexity for whatever it is we're talking about here. There might be something better. But like complexity 
is a word like legacy software or um, uh, lock-in, right? And, you know, uh, th these, these three phrases basically uh, are pejorative phrases, and you only label something that when you don't like it anymore, right? Like, <laughs> like you, don't, you don't really like, as, as, as I, you know, like to quip, right? Like no one, if you only call your software legacy software if you're afraid to change it. Otherwise, you just call it your software, right? Like, no, right. you don't call it. So, so one, like it's indicative of like there's something up with your software. And like when it comes to lock-in, no one's like, oh man, I really love this experience that I have with my software. It runs great. It's making us tons of money. We're totally locked into it. Right. Like the like lock in is only really used when you want to stop doing things some way like it's otherwise it's totally fine. And like similarly, as you're kind of pointing out, if you have complexity and the what you're doing is no longer satisfying you or it seems like to some extent it's become old and doesn't evolve anymore. Like you're, you, you have complexity that you have uh, aged complexity, right? Youthful complexity is always great. There's well, new it, stuff coming around. It works out well, but like, it's what, just like, just like these new abstractions or these new simplifications, eventually they get harder and harder to support. And you start thinking, you know, do I want to continue to maintain this or replace it? And so that you, maintenance so, versus replacement is what drives our evolution in, in software and infrastructure. So I think I think what people don't want is they don't want they don't want legacy complexity. If it's like just great, they want if they have lots of options and capabilities. There, there you go. Oh. Capabilities is the positive version of complexity. Everyone wants <laughs> capabilities, but they don't want complexity. And it just depends, like like whether you call whether you call a a a large amount of options to perform the business value that you need. I phrase that incorrectly, but like, or, you know, that's capabilities. We want a lot of capabilities to achieve business outcomes. You always want that. Or you could say like, all this complexity that we have is really holding us back from achieving our business outcomes. But it could be the same quantity of things that you have. It's just a matter of if they uh, allow you to achieve something or not. And uh, I, I don't know. So may, we gotta we gotta analyze things on. Uh, I think that's a fourth angle. Uh, I forget <laughs> what the first three were, but we got We gotta consider that. I mean, I think I think people just want to have a lot of choices and uh, not not a uh, limited set of them. That seems to happen uh, cyclically. Today's show is sponsored by Strong DM. Are you still using SSH keys, RDP logins, and database credentials? Do you have a worn out Post-it note with all your passwords on it? Well, it's time to access your infrastructure like it's no longer 1999. StrongDM is the only modern infrastructure access platform. It creates a seamless, secure, and observable air gap between your staff and the critical infrastructure that powers your company. With StrongDM, you can instantly revoke access to every database, Kubernetes cluster, or server with just a click. You can automatically log every query, SSH, and kubectl command to know who did what, when, and where across your stack. And you can eliminate credentials from end-user workflows to deploy access that's zero trust and least privileged by default. Trusted by the fine folks at Betterment, Peloton, SoFi, and Chime, StrongDM is the only way to deploy secure access controls in a way folks love to use. Don't take my word on it. Check out StrongDM for yourself with a free demo. Sign up at strongdm.com slash SDT. That's strongdm.com slash SDT. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show.
Well, there was also just to just to briefly mention it because I, you know, I, I I know that we're all interested. There was the uh, the the K Native group. Yeah, they, they they applied to become an incubating project in the CNCF uh, Music Factory, as I like to say, That's which which I think news. which I I think it's always fun to ponder like the stat the status of K Native if it's not already part of a group because it has it's uh, seems to come up a lot, and I guess it's mm-hmm. an independent. It's on a is this, is that sub pop independent label? I don't know my metaphors. What what works yeah. out there? Getting distributed by Electra. <laughs> oh yes, Island yes. or something. But now 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 that's been around for a couple of years. It has. So what, it has. What uh, what what's what's the deal with like K Native being on its own for a while and now it's going to the CNCF? Like, what? Uh, give it. Give us just a brief summary of like what's this journey been like? So so the, the journey K Native project. Yeah, I mean. Uh, long, long, long time ago in internet time, um, Google announced that they had a new project called Knative, and people were like, Hey, that's exciting. Um, are you going to give it to the CNCF like you did with Kubernetes? And Google said, "Mm, I don't know what we're going to do. And we started to hear rumors. Um, you know, well, well before my days, uh, being involved in the scene, you know, we probably covered this, you know, two years ago. Um, you know, rumors that there were salespeople within Google who were upset that they were giving away this Kubernetes stuff and they didn't have anything to hold on to. And, you know, you know, we gave away the, you know, we gave away the cow and the milk and, you know, whatever. The bucket. Whatever that metaphor is, you know, <laughs> I gave away the dairy and now it's, you know, running everywhere. Um, and, and so there was this tension of like, well, you know, what are you going to do with Knative? And they never gave it to another they didn't give it to you know the linux foundation they didn't give it to apache it just kind of sat in this limbo um and google continued to own the trademarks and and so you know there was this hesitation in some circles to adopt it and that probably hurt you know honestly it probably hurt some of the adoption of knative um because knative also when it was announced was kind of the end of a lot of alternatives. You know, the, obviously serverless is a big deal and there were lots of serverless projects happening on Kubernetes, but uh, Knative kind of disrupted a lot of that without mm. going to completion. And so now, now we finally, you know, have our, our closure, uh, if you will. Uh, Google has uh, very j- graciously offered to, uh, you know, sign the project over to the CNCF. Uh, it's offered up for incubation, even though it's already 1.0. It's already running in production a lot of places, uh, which will include the trademarks. So um, hopefully in a, a short amount of time, uh, the, the project will be accepted into the CNCF and eventually uh, graduate out of incubation because it has it has all the requirements for incubation, right? It, it's, a, it's a stable project. It's got multiple contributors from multiple companies. Um, it's got customers. You know, it's... It's a full-fledged, healthy, open-source project. It just didn't have the umbrella of the CNCF yet. They, so, you know, at, at Open Source Foundations, they should have you, – you got your incubation, but they should have an immigration track. It's basically like it's a fully formed <laughs> the thing. fast track. And yeah, it, just wants yeah. to, it just wants to get in here, right? Because, you know, I, I, forget, I forget other examples. There's been many projects over the past couple of decades 
especially at the ASF where like, you know, they have to go through incubation and do this. And you're just like, what the, what the fuck? Yeah. It's like, right. Like been using that for years. Yeah. 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 Well, well that, that'll be, nice. I mean, it's uh you know, I, I, I poke at K native every now and then it seems like the, the, the cleaned up the confusion of what, what they did earlier. I know I'm repeating myself just for people, the two listeners we have that haven't listened to everything we ever say, <laughs> just so that they know, but like, uh, it, it, it's, it seems, it seems nice. And you know, I just want to add as my standard, maybe it's not standard, but it should be, is that like, I mean, I feel like there's a heuristic, dear listeners, you can use, which is like anytime there's some discussion of open source and the word trademark comes up, you just be like, there's some fucking bullshit happening. <laughs> just like once the word trademark gets thrown around, it's just like, oh, I'm, I'm You're like, whoa, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who let the businesses into this open source yeah, stuff? <laughs> this, this, this is some kind of shenanigans going on in the background and people smiling and I, I'm not, and I have, I, you know, just historically, anytime trademark comes up, it's always just nonsense. That would be it. Would be a bold move if there if there were more trademarkless open source projects out there. I feel like that would be a strident uh, political is the wrong word. That would be a strident cultural statement if if open source people were just like fuck trademarks. Like we're just we're just going at it. Like we don't well, need to worry about this kind of yeah. Thing. I but, mean. W- w- Business-wise, it would be terrible. There, right? Yeah. yeah, the, yeah. It doesn't get adopted because you're like, hey, I've got this great idea. And someone's like, great idea, huh? And uh, I, th- I think, call it- you know, it's, it's, it's a very cynical uh, sort of position, which I don't know if, if I genuinely like 100% believe it. But it's almost like, you know, uh, yeah, if you didn't have trademarks, it would be terrible business-wise. But I think the point of that is that like, it's always important in the open source world to very quickly get to what the business side of things are, because otherwise you're going to be into uh, weird shenanigans at some point. That's a fun word to use, huh? I should use it more. Is that a phrase or a word? We can look that up later uh, when, when, when we're, we're done recording here. Well, that's, that's great to hear. It'll be fun to see what uh, goes on there. I need to finish reading that great K-Native book that I started reading a couple months ago. It was, it was only a month or so ago. It was very uh, it was written. It's very funny. Which one? It, it, some guy with a French name wrote it. I forget what his name is, but uh, he's a good author. So do we have any uh, bureaucracy this week, Brandon? Yeah, just a few things. Uh, I want to uh, thank uh, Professor Jeremy for uh, writing in. So he has, for several years now, he always uh, takes a poll in his class. Who would like a software-defined talk sticker? And then he tells me how many he needs. So I've sent him a whole batch of stickers. Uh, you know, he actually told me though, that it turns out the students today, he says they don't like to put stickers on the M1. So it wasn't as many as that we had had in the past. So, uh, it was, uh, good nonetheless to hear from them. So if you'd like a sticker, all you have to do is, uh, send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. Be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. And also for the true, uh, old school OG listeners of software defined talk in the Slack, there was some talk that. People may want um, some more uh, T-shirts, so I don't know. I mean, it's like we we attempted to do some merch before, but if there's enough interest and people are into it, you know, I think maybe we could uh, find a way to do another run of T-shirts. So if you're interested, hit me up in the Slack. Let me know if you'd actually. Uh, I don't know if you'd buy one. If you want one, all I really want to do is get a sense of like how many people want, and uh, maybe we can do another limited run of T-shirts. I don't know. We'll change up the color. We'll do something. We'll get the graphics and marketing team on it. So. So let me know. Find me in the Slack. Let me know what you, you want to have. Wow, that'd be fun if we had new T-shirts. And, and then are we going to have a, an NFT? I spent, I saw, I saw someone posted that there's, there's three people flying from space to planet Adidas. 
And so I went to go research what these three things were. And I just, I went down a hole of weirdness and, and it was, it was very nice. All these people writing about in the, the, the crypto stuff are all very optimistic and uh, they, they write a bunch of good stuff. And I didn't once read that Gandhian thing of like people laughing at you and accepting you and then whatever else happens next, which <laughs> I is just very you know, heartening the... that that didn't come up. There are, uh, I don't know, it's it, the Buffalo Bills, someone, we won't talk about sports too much, but someone uh, in the Slack put it out, the Buffalo Bills are like giving all the fans like a free NFT. So I don't know, maybe, you know, I, I need to figure out how to make an NFT and then we should just, why not? We'll put one out there. Like, oh man, we'll, we'll figure it out. I'll have to, we'll have to like learn what it is and what we'll do with it. But sure, sure. Wouldn't it be amazing that. if you could make one without having to pay anything? Can't, that would can be. We, <laughs> can't we just do some SDT pogs? <laughs> no, I don't know. Pogs. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's another thing people can. I don't know. If you have a suggestion of like what we should make and for uh, NFT for software defined tech, we'll do it. Or better yet, if you just want to do it and give it to me, then I'll just I'll just you know that would be even more fantastic. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Man, flying monkeys. That's good stuff. Well, uh, there's some conferences coming up. So uh, there's that conference, January 17th to 20th in Round Rock. We'll be doing a live recording there uh, on one of the days. I forget which one. It's in my calendar, so don't worry. Uh, there's also uh, DevOps Day Chicago, the uh, 2022. It's, it's not going to be, you know, in the few remaining weeks of this year. Uh, the CFP is open. It'll close on January 31st. I should look at that one. I sp- oh, that's a nice conference. Uh, I'll see what dates it's at. Also, there's uh, DevOps Days Birmingham in Alabama. That CFP closes on January 31st as well. Whoa! So you better prioritize your uh, your talk. Okay, you never do it. Some some people may submit the same talk twice. I'm not I'm saying I'm not saying you would do Ooh. that, but I'm just saying you know that's you know it's like the common application for college. Matt was referring to it's the common CFP application. Maybe yeah, maybe yeah. that's what's happening there. Yeah. Well, that is that is a uh, uh, secret of frequent speakers is only have a couple of talks that you give each year. And we're just good. DevOps Day Chicago. That's the actual event is May 10th. So if you, oh, if you actually want to go to it and not, uh, and then, you know, there it is. You have it. You have all the information yeah. now. It'd be better than, than DevOps Day Chicago, February 3rd. You probably <laughs> don't want to, don't want to be there in February 3rd. And, and, and to be clear, none of these are practice conferences. <laughs> <laughs> of oh, course for me? not. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Chicago is like one of the biggest ones, I think, isn't it? Or Minnesota? I don't know. I thought that was they were both very, very big, as as, as I recall. Yeah. So you know, uh, all, all sorts of conferences there. You should uh, you should go check those out. So uh, you should as you know you should join us in our Slack. People write about conferences, events. We go over the. Um, there's a whole channel dedicated to cataloging the news and things. As Brandon mentioned earlier, every time there's a big big industry keynote thing like the. Uh, Whatever was going on this week, uh, they uh, people will be live slacking. That is that right? Whatever. But just yeah. go to softwaredefinedtalk.com and you can click on the Slack link to join that. And of course, we stream stuff to Twitch and Twitter and to the uh, the earholes. You're probably listening to us right now. Uh, so with that, Brandon, what do you have to recommend this week? My recommendation is new uh, podcast from The Ringer. And it's hosted by Derek Thompson, who wrote for The Atlantic. And uh, the episode I really like this week is, you know, um, Omnicron, right? That's made a lot of the news. I thought it was a very uh, informed take. It did a really good interview about, like, you know, how to think about um, these variants and, like, kind of, like, what questions to be asking yourself. So probably like everyone, you know, lots to know, lots to keep up to date on all the news there. So I like to 
we're looking for good sources of information that's sort of like, I don't know, measured in their, uh, in their explanations, if you will. So if you're mm. looking for something like that, and uh, I think Derek Thompson's, you know, you wrote a lot in the Atlantic. I think a lot of people like this writing about uh, the coronavirus over the years. So this is just another way to get some of the information, but he covers lots of other topics. That was just one of the topics this week. So check, check out plain English if you're interested. Mm, I'll have to go check that out. How about yourself, Matt Ray? Um, my pick this week, well, just just to give the self-serving pick in there, um, I, I did interview Jock Chester for uh, the, the author of the K-Native in Action book that Cote was mentioned. I interviewed him for the uh, Cloud Native AF podcast, so check that one out. But my pick this week is um, an episode of the Cautionary Tales podcast, uh, The Wrong Tools Cost Lives, where uh, we learned about the deadly cost of using Excel. So uh, check Ooh. that one out. It Ooh. was... a uh, Quite good. Quite good. Oh, it's getting close to home right here. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, I have, I have a, uh, a book recommendation that I haven't actually read, but uh, I was talking with my son about it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and recommend it because I think I need to uh, – it might be fun to read it with him. I know very little about it. I'm going to give you uh, a, 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 um, almost a word-for-word replay of his description of it. And I said, Cormac. Tell me about this book you're reading. And he said, and then I said, Cormac, tell me about this book you're reading. And he said, it's called War Horse. And I said, well, what's it about? And he said, it's about horses. And I said, yeah, go on. And he said, horses in war. And then I asked him what page he's on. He's on page 17. So I think, I think uh, you know, we got him to tell him a little bit more. I think it might be fiction or nonfiction, but I think I think I want to recommend. This seems like a good book. I like the title. It's about horses, maybe in war. We had a big discussion about if were they coming to America or going from America for World War One, and so you could bring in some historic. Would that be deduction or reasoning if you knew a little so the, bit about? Yeah, I was about to say, is is this the play and the movie of the same name? Oh, I see. I don't. This is there's some follow-on recommendations. That's that's what we need to know. But but I feel like that one. I feel like there's a lot you could do ped- pedantically here, right? Like if I were to ask you to, if there is a book called War Horse about horses in war, and there was a bunch of them that were going from one country to another in World War One, which country do you think they would be coming from and going to? Not country, but like like are the horses going from Europe? To America or from America to Europe? So you could this is you could use your reasoning. I'm just thinking this is Black Stallion. I don't know. I feel like I I feel like that has that you know. Is there do they is, does does a boat sink or anything? You know that sounds like a. Well, I'm going to find out. I, right. I recommend it though. Okay, all right. I, I recommend Get finding back out. To us. Maybe maybe next week uh, if y'all remind me, uh, you can uh, ask for a follow up. I see. I'm looking at the the Goodreads entry. It looks like the sequel. Uh, to Warhorse, and you can replay the conversation I had with my son about the topic. <laughs> the sequel is called Farm Boy. I wonder what that book's about. <laughs> well, that's because Farm Boy was much better than Dead Horse. <laughs> uh, well, you know, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 332. You can find links to all of our recommendations the uh, conferences that I mentioned, other things like that. And uh, tune in next week to see uh, what happened to the war horse and uh, <laughs> if, if, it, if it made it across what it did, if its new name was Glue. Hope, hopefully not. We'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye.
The the problem was yesterday I had all my windows open and you know had a nice breeze going, the birds. And then the house behind us has a pool and the kids were out there and they started screaming, Dad! Dad! And I'm like, I'm not your dad. Dad! <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, you know, because, you know, as, as, as a dad, when you hear that, you assume it's for you. And I was like, my kids aren't yelling at him. You know, yeah. they're not yelling at me. 